All right, guys, welcome to the second episode of Making Connections. Uh, we have an interesting youth ambassador of Project First Nations with us today. His name is Lucas Brass. And we're going to just talk a little bit about some of the impact of extracurriculars and education and everything like that. We also have Paulo with us. Paulo. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Um, we thoroughly enjoyed the first session. We had uh, more guests than, uh, than today, but today we have a really special one. Somebody who has a lot of experience with um, Project 5 and Project First Nations. Somebody who um, we, we, you know, we had the opportunity to meet when he was still, still a, sort of a baby for, at 14 years old. Saw him grow into the man that he is today. He um, he also went to Arwapiskar with with uh, Project First Station and Project Five three times, I believe. And uh, so today we're just going to talk about, like Dan said, you know, like the importance of extracurriculars, how how that impacts uh, a student, especially particularly in high school, when it's uh, um, you know the time that uh, students start to think about the future, and sometimes it's it's a lot of stress, right, Lucas? So anyway, welcome welcome to uh, to making connections. Thank you guys. I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's an honor, you know, uh, being on this uh, journey with you guys and Project 5. It's been something that I've always cherished since the day um, I've been called to do this. And I'll continue to do this until whenever. So uh, I, I thank you guys so much for having me on here. Okay. Amazing to see Paul. I must say, man, we're getting old because I remember, Lucas, like you said, at 14, I had him in my grade nine class and here we are, man. Here's a guy who's in college now. He's a young man. And it's amazing to see how these kids grow. I mean, obviously, we've grown as as educators, as 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 humans, and as parents. And now we got Lucas with us today. And you know, I remember that little boy in my class. And now look at him, young man. It's good to see, man. Good to see you're doing well, especially in a time like this. And it's good to connect with you at least virtually. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we 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 always talk about because we have the opportunity to to still keep in touch because Lucas is still involved in Project 5 in many ways. And we'll talk about that later on and how he's still, he's still involved. But let's talk a little bit about your life, your life in high school, you know, coming in as a kid full of dreams like everybody has, right? In grade nine, it's a bit intimidating coming to grade nine. And, but you had the opportunity to play soccer and to get to meet, you know, a lot of the students in the school and to, to be part of the school really right away. So talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, about your integration into high school and, and how that felt for you. Yeah, so uh, honestly, at first, um, just being a grade nine student and just coming to school, you know, as kind of like, um, I guess they would say, as like fresh meat, you know, I, I was there, you know, and I'd always ask around, I'd ask around, how are the teachers, how are the, like all the professors here? And then I kind of found like, my joy when I found out about the playroom and I was like, Oh, you know what? I do find joy in, in, in playing soccer and fitness and exercise. So then I just started to go up there every once in a while, seeing if I can, you know, make myself a part of the community up there in the playroom, because I can see how much this playroom brought everyone at school together. So I figured out that like, if I can find myself and in coming into this playroom, maybe once every week, it would help me. So then, I would go once a week and then I found like, you know what? I actually love it here. I love the way things are run here, the way everyone's connected through, through playing sports. And then I would have gone now three or four times a week. And then I started to go almost all week around every day at lunchtime for the one hour every single day. And then I found that this was for me, um, you know, bonding with 
with Apollo and Dan and um, just enjoying everyone's company, playing the sport that we all love. I felt like that's what really helped me more than everything else. I didn't find anything else helped me but soccer because then that soon left me into being part of, of, the, of the soccer team and, you know, having a starting role as, as my years went on. And I, I found it the best experience of my life just starting out there and then being who I am today because of the playroom and what it's done for me. Lucas, can I ask you to do, do a favor for the listeners? Can you just explain what the playroom is? Because okay. we say playroom and to us, we, we understand it. But maybe okay. you can just kind of put in perspective for people. Like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. So the playroom is kind of like kind of like a little futsal area. Just It's just concrete with two two nets on, on either side. And then with a bench along the wall. And that's where all the spectators just sit around or stand and then cheer on the teams playing on, on the floor. So it's a very, very medium-sized room and it's it was really well built and you know what i'm just so happy of what this room has done for not even just kids like you know like for me the older grades the younger grades and how it's brought everyone together so it's a very beautiful room and you know what i really want to go back someday and it's a really nice place so yeah i will say this as somebody who had witnessed that playroom for the first time i want to say it might have been seven years six years ago now man time's flying I remember walking in there and it, what's beautiful about it is the culture that it creates within that education system. You know, it's fun, kids find a way to spend their lunch hour together indoors in a safe place and the intensity in the sport, in the spectating and the camaraderie that it brought is, is really something remarkable. That's, that's the truth. And uh, Paul, I mean, hats off to you on that, not to you know give you kudos to everything, but I mean, that's something that that's a culture you definitely helped create, if not created altogether. So, I mean, it, it is amazing and it is it is a life of that of that environment. So and it does bring the young kids together with the old kids for sure. And it, that definitely doesn't create that divide with older kids and younger kids. And he's in grade nine. She's in grade 10. It kind of just helps bring everybody together. So it is it is a special place and it does help. Kids, OK, young students really uh, build their confidence and, you know, kind of create, take strides in, into their high school experience. You know, it definitely helps uh, build a foundation for them. And just, even if you're not a soccer player, but just being around it and building those friendships within that environment is definitely helpful. So yeah, the, the playroom is a, is a testament to, um, to the importance of uh, the importance of extracurricular activities in, in schools. And it's just, a, I think it's, it's a perfect example of the power of extracurriculars, you know, because not everybody excels in high school, right? I mean, there's people, uh, teenagers mature at different levels. I'm not, I'm not saying mature in the sense they, that how they understand the world, but, you know, how they understand themselves sometimes and what they want to do in the future and, and how comfortable they feel in the classroom, right? And sometimes having something outside of the classroom is crucial for them to stay in school and also to to find a purpose because purpose is is everything, right? And Lucas, and you talking about your experience because this is uh, we want to make it about you. This is um, you know we we've witnessed your your progression through school and how you had, of course, like every student, your highs and lows and your struggles in the classroom. And uh, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, the academic side, and how and why and how the extracurriculars kind of you know helped you. And I'm leading, it's a lead on question, but I know I'm leading it on because I know, because I know you and how the extracurriculars kind of helped you stay, stay the course. Yeah. So for me, I look at it as one thing only for me, and it's just the term of motivation. 
So having this extracurricular and being a part of the team and being part of all these things, being in the classroom, it helped me keep my grades up, helped me focus in school because I knew that if I didn't uh, succeed or if I didn't uh, suppress the expectations of having high grades or just being a good student overall, that I wouldn't be part of these extracurriculars. And I feel like that kids kind of need um, that kind of boost of confidence, motivation to perform well in school because and then they have something to look forward to just like I did. And every time it was always game day for me and I was always in class, I would always try to stay for every single second of that classroom period just so that I can enjoy playing afterwards, going to wherever we had to go and play the game. So I find it that this gave me the power just to be more, more like more hungry for being better in school, having that motivation, like just to make me feel better about myself and what I'm working towards in terms of, of a career and having a life going forward after the game, after school. So it's really helped me a lot, really. Did you know in school, when you were in high school, did you know what you wanted to do in the future? Honestly, it was kind of 50-50, you know, I was going in, I've always wanted to play soccer. That was my dream playing since I was a kid. But then I also had a, a love for the law, as in policing and wanting to do right for the community. So but besides taking soccer, I took a couple of uh, law classes at school and stuff like that. So I kind of fell in love with the game just as much as I did with law. So honestly, I'll be quite frank with you. I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do because as I'm going to say right now, I just finished a college program for police foundations. And then I will, will be pursuing next year for my master's degree in uh, police studies. So that's, I'm already set on what I want to do with my life. It's just that, but um, these extracurriculars kind of gave me that boost to get to the finish line in the end. So it's really helped me a lot. That's good. You know, you say that you used an interesting word and what I liked about what you said was confidence. And I think that's what these extracurriculars do is they, they really help build confidence. They help you build bonds with teachers that you may not have in the classroom, but at least you have, you know, outside on the field or whatever the extracurricular might be. Um, would you be lying if you say you never skipped the class just to be in the playroom? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just okay. I just you got to let the listeners know how powerful this playroom is you okay know? now you got me on the spot okay <laughs> I'm just kidding you, know, you probably stretched the, the timelines but yes, we've all you know caught in there I've been late going back to class sometimes even as a teacher because I was stuck in there listen you know? I don't encourage anyone who is listening to, <laughs> to ever skip class but there's been times I'll be honest guys that I've maybe skipped the last 30 minutes of class just to sneak upstairs. And if Paula was there, I would peek inside to see if he was there because I know that Paula would keep it on lockdown and just to see if anyone was skipping class. And if someone was in there and you skip class, there's been times that I, I went in there and I said, go back to class right now. Or he would bring me back to class and just escort me back and say, hey, miss or sir, he was upstairs. You got to keep him here until the time is done. So that's that's what Dan was like. Dan's right. Though. It's just so powerful because it's like, I would always just love to play there. I'd even say you know, like it'd be the last game. We'd say one more game, one more game until like the time runs out. There's even times where we're Paul or Dad would be in trouble because they had to supervise us because, you know, we're all, we all can't be there without them. Right. So I would skip class a lot, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. Or there were times where I would just wait outside and just eat my lunch and then, or, or just hide from Paulo. And then I just go inside once the time is ready. Or we all just gather up and make a line and wait till Paulo comes and we all start cheering and, you know, start like tapping his back and, you know, 
it's a very it's a very powerful thing for all of us and that's what we all enjoy and i'm sure anyone but just me does and miss the playroom so it's it's definitely not just you i remember paulo and i sometimes and paulo especially having a crowd to try to kick out meanwhile the bell rang 10 minutes ago right so it was never easy but he was committed to doing it and the reason why i say that i just tried to bring light to the situation but that's how that's how powerful yeah. that that playroom was i mean you guys enjoyed it so much and the competition got you know sometimes to an extreme but you know what that's i think competition is healthy and look what it's done for you. I'm not saying the playroom has done this for you, but the playroom has helped build a foundation and some confidence in you to now move into college, you know, take steps into running your own business, taking law. And these are the things that you've now developed as, you know, these are skills and, and personalities that you've now taken in as a young man, right? So it's good for you. I mean, we're, we're proud of you and, yeah. we're, you know, you as well as many others, as hundreds of others. But point is, I mean, you're, you're living proof of what your high school experience was like and it included a lot of extracurriculars and you know sometimes we want to tie into the importance of experiential learning um we want to tie in what these experiences are all about but really what extracurriculars do for you and i mean really and that's how that's how our the, the initiative started by traveling up to these remote communities was we wanted to try to introduce health uh, sorry sports to uh, promote mental health and, you know, build confidence and build friendships and making those connections is, I mean, this is what we're talking about, right? This is the, the title of what we're trying to do here. And this is what making connections is all about. It's going out there, making friendships. And sometimes it's through soccer. It might be done through chess. It might be done through basketball. It might be done through anything, really. I mean, hiking, it could be anything, fishing. But the point is you're, you're bringing people together and you're making those connections. So that's good. That's, it's amazing to hear. It's amazing to see you, you know, all growing up and we're going to continue to watch you grow up and you'll sit here and continue to watch me and Paul get old. Yeah. Well, we're doing it together. You know, yeah. and, and, and that's what, what's interesting about all this, just to compliment what you, what you said, it is the best way to make relationships, to create relationships because in the classroom, you teach and you, of course you have to, it's a, it's a different platform. You got to be more serious. You have to stick to the topics but the playroom and any, we're just using the playroom as an example. It just allowed us to really connect. And we did stretch the rules many times, you know. But, you know, the thing is that I want to say is that there was a lot of respect. Even sometimes, you know, as the adults, we had to, of course, you know, make sure that we follow the rules. But you, you as students and you, Lucas, in particular, you know, because you're here and you, you've always respected, you know, yeah, the rules are stretched, but you always find a way to say, you know, what, sir, I'm sorry, you know, yeah, this how you, you know, yeah, you'd lie or you'd lie. And but then you'd, you'd, you'd correct the lie. OK, yeah, because there was there was that trust. And that's and that's that's I, to me, that's I think that's the most important thing, you know, to to trust, to create that connection, to create that trust, because without trust, I mean, we're not perfect. <laughs> Human beings are very imperfect and we always try to protect ourselves. And sometimes a little lie goes a long way. But when we know each other, you know, you tried lying many times, right, Lucas? That it didn't stick, <laughs> let's be honest. A little, a little too much, I, I'd have to say. You know what, God's watching, but I'm sorry. There's been a lot of times where I've tried to get my way out of out of that kind of stuff. And it's it's never worked because like, I guess you could see right through me at this point. It's because I, I've been with you guys for almost... Yeah, four years. It's like you guys can just see right through me whenever I'm telling the truth or when I'm lying. So it's like I've had to learn to just lay lay low and just be honest and just be straight up, you know. So uh, but honestly, it's it's hats off to you with that. You know what, Dan, especially too, because uh, his his automotive class was for me. I didn't have to take that class. That was more of like an extra thing for me. 
Although that like I didn't do as much like as I like like I wanted to because like I didn't I didn't like it at first until I learned about more about vehicles and engines and motors and all that stuff and then how to clean cars, how to change brake pads, how to balance a tire. I do that now in my everyday life with my dad's car. Whenever he needs to change it, like 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 a tire or do an oil change, I can do it because I've learned from Dan. So even just like with his class alone, I've learned so much in terms of just being on like the automotive side. And so in terms of Dan, I've learned a lot already just from that alone. And that's a life skill that everyone should learn and why I think that that should be just as important as any extracurricular out there in terms of soccer, sport, whatever it is, automotive should be just as important as well. So Dan, it was, it was amazing that you came to school and you, you know, had the ambition to teach us and to also have the patience for me and a couple other guys who were nightmares in that class. But it's, it's, it's also hats off to you as much as for Paulo as well for the culture of the playroom. And without you guys, this also wouldn't be happening either. So it's a lot of work that you guys have put in and, and, and all of us can't thank you enough. So it was amazing. Creating a then, then before you speak, sorry, man, I got to say, I know I have to say this because you, it's important that you, you have to be recognized, yes, for your, not just for your ability, your, your, your professionalism, but also for the way you can connect to the youth. You know, if the kids were to classify me and you, they would classify me as probably the guy, you're like, I'm, I'm more like the rules kind of guy, but, and they connect with you at a different, total different level. You know, you, you have such a way. And then I, I saw firsthand that class, you know, kids attended your class, you know, kids flocked to your class, you know, yeah. the kids, kids who had a uh, spare flocked to your class because they liked your company. And, and, and it, look, this all translates into what happened in Aruapiscar. We're going to talk about Aruapiscar in a second, but all these relationships, all these connections were crucial to create a strong foundation that we can travel together to a place that it's totally <laughs> strange to us, right? I mean, far, I mean, uh, two plane rides away. And without that trust and that strong, strong connection, we wouldn't be able to do it. Well, I, I mean, I was just going to say, and I, I mean, I, th I thank you guys for saying that because I do try my best to create an environment and a culture in my classrooms. And, you know, sometimes as a teacher, I, I stretch the boundaries. You know what I mean? I, I, I might have to sometimes, you know, I gotta be careful how I say this, but, you know, cross a line in order to gain respect from kids. And I think that's what's important because you want an environment for kids. Yes, the curriculum is important. There's no doubt the education and delivering the curriculum is important. But if you don't create an environment in that class, you're not going to create learners. You got to create an environment. You got to gain their respect. And then you might gain some trust and some learning, you know, and that's that's the beauty of what we've done. That's why I enjoy coaching at the high school level. Yes, I love the game, but I'll coach anything. I've coached baseball. I'll co I've, I've coached the cross-country team. I hate running. You know what I mean? I love working out, but running is one of the things I dislike the most out of working out. But I've coached it. Why? To work with kids out of the classroom. And that's what brings us to Attawapiskat. I mean, I don't know if it's too soon to get there, but what an experience that was bringing 15, 16 students to unknown territories. At a time. At a time. Numerous times. In many times. And every time we go, and now, you know, Paulo and I, we've become a little bit more experienced with it. We know what the expectations are every time we land there. But when you bring new kids there that haven't been there and you see the interactions that they make and the culture shock and, you know, the experiences and the, the, the you know, the, the, the education that's taking place and what they're learning, that's when you and I sit back and like, okay, you know what? 
this is interesting. This is what this, this is why this is beautiful. They're making connections with people that they don't see in their everyday lives because we're just too far. You know, we're not going to cross paths that frequently, but here they are, they're making friends from far. So, and obviously, you know, being bunked in with, you know, three adult teachers, usually in a, in a, in a, in a senior boys soccer team. I mean, talk about fun, right. And, and some wild times. I mean, you boys acted crazy on every level. And honestly, we could have been, you know, tough, tough teachers and got mad at you guys about everything. But again, we, we stretched the boundaries and we made sure you guys were under control and we had fun with you guys, you know, and that's what creates that experience. And it's back to making that, you know, creating those experiences and gaining the respect, Paul, because if you and I were militant on everything and being sergeants about, you know, we can't do this, can't do that, can't do this. And who did that? And who did this? And there was times we yelled at them. Don't get me wrong. We've had our pep talks every day and, you know, we had our yelling matches with them, but you know, it usually ended up in tears, tears of joy because they were just so happy by the end of it all. Right. And we had some of the best laughs that we've probably ever had with some students. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and the way that proves that people are good. If you yeah. give them the opportunity to be good and we have to be bad sometimes. <clears throat> and then, right. I mean, that's what we are as human beings. And, and we went through a lot of beautiful things up there, good and bad. They were all beautiful. And look, I mean, this is a great introduction to Arwapiskat and our experiences there. Tell us how you felt. I mean, the first time you went there, even before you went, you know, talk a little bit about that expectation and how when you landed there. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, uh, like before going there, I remember um, the first time you guys went up, this is obviously all leading to my time going up. But like, I remember the first time you guys went, um, I was asking myself, I'm like, what is this thing he's starting? I'm like, I'm like, he's good. Like he's going away for so long. And like, he's like, I see TV stations here and I'm like, what's going on. And then, then I remember I confronted, and I asked you, I was like, like, sir, like what's going on. And you told me that like, we're starting something new and it's going to be big. And I was like, okay, well, I'm interested and I want to know what, what's going on. And you told me that you want to bring some of the guys up there from the senior boys soccer team and you want to introduce sport to our, our like, um, the word, our brothers and sisters, you know? So I told myself and I was like, you know what? I kind of want to invest my time in this and I want to see where this can go. So in my time leading up to it, when it was my turn to go, I was very nervous and also I was kind of shy at first because um, I'm going into a new place where I've never seen before and I'm kind of feeling uncomfortable in a way because for one, I also don't like planes. I'll, I'll tell you that, that right now. I'm a, I'm a guy who just doesn't like planes. So when I heard about the plane, the one that, that goes there, I was like, okay, you know what? I got to just take a deep breath and just keep going. So then going there, I was like, you know what? I'm doing something very great here. And I want to keep doing it because I, I see the greatness that, that came out of the first run. That you guys went you know the kids enjoyed it you guys played sports you know and the kids loved it and when i went it was nothing what i expected i thought like it was just all different the land uh, the people uh, the way that just things were um even from someone who comes from law i mean even like their like police system because I, I know quite a bit it's also very different than than what you see here in in the toronto police service so honestly I went in there knowing that everything was going to be different, but I have to adapt and I have to learn. And then that my job there was to interact and make a family with these kids and with these people, because that's what we're all about. When we go up there, we're about making family, making connections as this podcast is making connections. And 
I think my first time going up, it was a bit rough for me because the kids didn't really know me. And as Dan said, it's kind of like a culture shock, a city boys coming in and they don't know who we are. So I had to try my best to kind of lean in and just like put my foot in the water and just kind of just step forward. And it's paid off because I've made connections with these kids. They still text me every single day and they ask me how I'm doing and I ask them how they're doing, uh, how are things over there. So as as here and then, and then there, we're all about making family, making connections. So I think I've done a great job with that, as Paulo said, with, with the classes as well. Um, I found those classes to be extremely important just because we needed it as well as much as the kids did, because it, it helps us build that trust, as Paula was saying. It's kind of building a trust with these with these uh, um, children. So I felt that was also great for us. And the job there was excellently done. And I wouldn't change anything about this trip because it was just an amazing experience for me. And if I could ever go back again, I certainly would, just because I love the way that we started from point A and now we're all the way at point D and all the connections we've made throughout the way and all the things that we've done, the way that we've supported them and also helped them. It's been a really good job. And once again, it's hats off to you guys. It's been a really great initiative and I'm glad to be a part of it. And I can't wait to see what else we have for this initiative. When you say we go there, you know, we, you know, we talk about this all the time. You know, the initial idea was to go there to provide some support, right? But it, it, it does change more. Don't you agree, Lucas? It, it, it has a bigger impact probably on us than it has on them. For me, yes, because um, as I mean, for me, it's opened up my eyes to things that I've never even learned about. Like growing up, I, I never learned too much about indigenous communities and about everything that's that's happening there. I've never learned too much about it. So then going there, it's kind of opened up my eyes to a point where now I see what's actually going on and it's changed everything for me. Uh, I'm honestly now like I've I've never been more grateful for my life ever going there. It's changed my perspective on life entirely. And I couldn't, you know, I can't even express the way that like how I feel because I'm just so grateful to be having my life the way it is now and going there and sharing my life with them. And then they share their life with us. Even for example, I remember when we had the dinner, uh, you know, like in that tent, I've never tried anything of theirs before and going there and going there as a team and trying it all of us together. It was a great experience and I certainly enjoyed it. So it's changed me for the better, I would say. Yeah. Well, you say hats off to us, Lucas, but I mean, Paulo and I always say hats off to you guys because without the youth, without our youth student, our students, our youth ambassadors, I mean, none of this is possible. Right. So, I mean, yeah, Paulo and I, we put an idea together, but, that's about as much as it is. If, without you guys, we, we can't generate anything. You know, and you know and what? The continued, support, the continued support. Not only did you work with us throughout high school and you could have said, okay, guys, see you later. Take care. No, you're still with us at fundraisers. You're still willing to come back. Here you are speaking with us today. You're still helping us grow, right, and flourish. So thank you. It's, it's the way that um, you guys had an idea. It was much more than that. I felt like you guys had this idea in mind, and then it just became so much bigger once it happened and you know what i'm here because i feel like that this can possibly make a big change in the world because not many people know what these people at wapaskai go through or mucini or just any tribe in general or any place like this what they go through 
And I feel like that this is important because it, sh it uh, sheds education and light on this topic. And it's something that should never be done for. It's, it's, it's a topic that should always be ongoing and people should always learn day by day about what's going on and how you can make a change and how you can make an impact on these communities. So this idea you guys had was much, much bigger. And it came out so perfect that, you know what, I'm, it's just, I'm just so glad to be here and it's amazing. And you guys have done so much hard work and I'm just so happy to, you know, I can't even like, I can't express it in words. I'm, I'm just so like excited. I'm just so happy for everything that's been going on here. You know, it's great. Lucas. you, you talk about, you talk about, you know, the impacts and, and, and how people, you know, they, they, they have different struggles and everybody has struggles everywhere in the world. But, you know, the isolation, the fact that they're, you know, the fact that they cannot drink water at home. I mean, that's 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 a big deal. I mean, in Toronto, we'll never accept that. And we we keep on repeating the same issue, but it's a big issue and that needs to be repeated because, you know, it, can, it cannot be normalized. This idea that, you know, somebody goes home in Canada, it can't open the tap to drink, you know, and it happens there and it's accepted and it cannot be accepted. And And you talk about connections and how... You connected with, and and that's the whole idea. As we spoke, and 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 you went there three times, and we talk about how we can work towards reconciliation by making, you know, forging relationships, especially through the youth. Because one day, Lucas, you, the people that you know in Aruapesca, the youth you know there, you, you probably one day you'll go there just to visit them, right? Go there maybe on holidays. They can come back down here on holidays, not on a program, right? And that's the whole idea for the future. So you created some 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 relationships or some friendships up there. Tell us about some of those connections that kind of had an impact on you, like a story that you might have that really touched you deeply. Yeah, for me personally, I've I've shared this story with my partner, with my parents, with my family. Um, it was just a, a little boy, I remember, and uh, we were walking. And he was talking to me, oh, like, uh, where'd you guys come from? We're like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, we're, from, we're from Toronto, Ontario. And we were just kind of just talking about how things are there and how, like, he's not happy with it. And how he's just so upset about how, they, how they're being treated so unfairly. And how, as Paulo said with the water, he brought up the water. He said, like, I can't even go home and even drink water. And I said, buddy, I know it's, it's very, very tough. But what matters is, is that you are strong till the end. And he was telling me how his parents are no longer with him. And I felt bad for asking him, but I wanted some more insight on what actually happened. And he said that like his parents were, um, they, they overdosed on, on certain um, stuff. And I, I don't want to say what it is just because it's, it's just for him. It's, it's just very personal for him. I, I just don't want to exploit it. But it just touched me because it's like every kid goes through these type of issues where their parents or sisters or brothers go through something like this. And then these children are, are left behind to fend for themselves. And I've always learned that no child should be left behind. No one should be left behind because of something like this. Like, you know what I mean? Like if they were in Canada, we have resources to help with children who are alone. So that's a story for me. That's what will always touch me deeply and will always have a place in my heart because I know that when I go back, he's, he's going to be the first kid that I, I'm going to try to find in that community. And I want to, and I want to see him because I also left some of, some of my belongings with him. I gave him my sweater just because as we were walking, he felt cold. So I gave him my sweater until this day. I'm hoping that he still has my sweater just because I want him to hold it so deeply and so close to him just because 
of what we're doing with with project five and we're there to help so i want to have that sweater and i want it to symbolize that we're here to help and there's help here for you guys and we're all here for you together as a family and as a community and that's what this is paulo it's all and dan as well it's all about making connections and i made a serious connection with this young boy and it's never going to leave me because of how strong it was it was a one-hour conversation but it felt like it was a lot longer than that and till this day i just want to see this kid again and just i hope that uh, he's okay because that's what i care about the most is their safety and their well-being so i hope that whenever we go back he's the first person that i want to see and just to check up on him so that's a story for me that just stuck with me and will always that's a beautiful story. Yeah, that is you know, and when we say we go there, we are, yeah, we, you know, that's, that's the intention. We, we want to help, but we also want to be helped because this has to be a, a two-way street, right? I mean, we have to learn also from them and they, they do teach us a lot. And like you said, you know, there's a lot to be learned and the more we connect, the more we learn and, and the closer we come together, right? Because it seems sometimes we are like two worlds apart and we got to make that those two worlds come, come closer together, right? And I think that's, that's amazing what you just said, Lucas. You know, um, I don't know, Dan, I don't know if you want to comment on this topic before we lighten it up a little bit. No, I just like that he was able to share that story. And if you could imagine that, I bet you if we were to look back and speak to every student that came up there with us at some point, I bet you everybody, I would bet my life that everybody has that, that story that they could say that I made a connection with this kid. And I, I remember that one specific person the most. And I, you know, something was touching about it. So it just goes to show about those connections, Lucas, like yourself, any, any student that's been up there with us has that connection with somebody there. So it's good. It's powerful because I've had this conversation with many former students that have gone up there and they've all shared something. Oh yeah. I remember so-and-so. And I remember that great story with so-and-so. And there's just that, that there's always that one special bond that that's always been there. So it's uh, I'm glad you shared that with us. Obviously, you know, you could tell it's it's almost emotional for you to even express it at times there. So thank you for sharing that. It, it does give people a perspective of how powerful these trips are. And really it, gives, it keeps us motivated to continue to do this. I, I just wanted to touch on, you know, we talk a lot about as educators and in and, and, and the education system about experiential learning. You know, would you say that you've learned more? And I think this the answer is obvious, but I just want you to share it with listeners. Would you agree that you learn more by going there and making these connections than you would have sitting in a classroom in an Indigenous studies class and just, you know, listening to your teacher instruct? Not that that's bad because we can't all go up there, but it definitely has more. It's more effective to actually, have, you know, experience this. Um, I would say 100 percent just because um, the way that our society is now to this day, honestly, I could tell you right now for, for, for you guys and for like, like just like for, for those, I've never been in just a class that just talks about indigenous uh, people and their communities. I've never been in a class from one end to the other of them talking about the struggles that they go through. So I feel like that should be a change for everybody as well as to, we should incorporate more about indigenous and movies, films, uh, anything, projects, anything that, that can get you involved to learn about the topic. I, I highly recommend it, but going there for me, gave me a way, way um, better way of just understanding of what these people and the communities go through. And you know what? It's changed my understanding of this topic for the better 100%. And now I know what they go through and 
and the struggle that they have. And you know what? It's nothing that honestly comes easy. I'll tell you that right now. I see these, these uh, people in the community and I think to myself, I'm like, this is what I've been missing all along. This is what I haven't been learning since middle school, since, you know, so going up there really changed everything that I've ever thought these communities were. And it's, and I'm glad that I went up there and I, I, I seen the real world. I, I seen it firsthand on what they go through. So, yeah. Well, I will say this, you've been graduated for a few years now. There has been a move in, in curriculum to, you know, incorporate more indigenous studies. So, I mean, that, that, that move has already been made and continuing, you know, they're taking steps forward. So that's good. But like you said, living it and being there and experiencing that really allowed you to, you know, take a firsthand look and learn more. And, you know, and I, I could say the same, Paul, I would, I would imagine you agree. Having gone there, you know, the first time right up until the, you know, seventh or eighth time that it might have been now, I find I learned something new every time. And I've learned so much over the years of going there. I mean, Andrew Kostashian has had so many deep conversations with us and we learn about the history of the culture and some of the struggles. And, you know, I, th I feel like we're talking a lot about the struggles, but let's talk about some of the positives. I mean, what a beautiful culture. I mean, they take a lot of pride in, in their in their history. And, you know, and what I do find is as a small community, they, they stick together and, you know, they, they work with each other. You know, I, I mean, at least I find that they're, they're it's like one big family when you're in the community. So I think that's pretty powerful too. I mean, we do talk about, it's sad. Let's be honest. I mean, it's sad that here's a, a, a community in, in a first world country like Canada, you know, and in some cases living in third world conditions. So, I mean, that, that's just unfair altogether. I mean, we, we could highlight that for, for days on end. But I mean, even in that situation, they find ways to make light of it and have a lot of positives and, you know, some beautiful culture behind their, behind them that they've been able to share with us. I mean, talk about the sweat lodge. We, we've, we mentioned last time we, you know, the indigenous people's day when they have their community feast and how they all come together to put that an entire feast in a teepee cooking on a fire for, for hundreds of people. I mean, that's huge, right? So it's, it's beautiful. They have their parade. They have, you know, there's, there's just a lot going on in a small community that, you know, I think we have to give them a lot of credit for. You know, you, you talked about history a couple of times there. We talk about history now, indigenous history. And hopefully this, this idea of talking about indigenous history, because it's so important for us to understand the past so we can move forward now and, and, and really make a change in the present is that, Hopefully, we'll learn more about our past in general and incorporating indigenous people and everybody else that contributed to, to where we, we are today. Because Canadians in general are good people. We are people that want to pro, you know, make uh, positive progress in, in, in our society. And I think we, we're, we're welcoming to, to, uh, to learn to learn and be aware of, of past, past wrongs. Like we are learning slowly about what happened in indigenous communities, right? And so hopefully this is a step, this indigenous, um, this, this, this situation that happens in indigenous communities, hopefully will be a step towards us as a Canadian society in general to put more focus on history in general. Absolutely. I mean, listen, we do have history courses in school and I'm not trying to, we're not trying to discredit history teachers or anything like that because curriculum is curriculum and we follow it. And I'm sure they make mention of things like this, but I know there's a lot of focus on, you know, history of Canadian politics and war and such like that. But yeah, I do think there needs to be a lot of education on the Indigenous history because let's face it, I mean, with some of the the, the, the recent findings, I mean, we never want history to repeat itself, right? So, I mean, it's definitely something to consider. And like I said, Lucas, they are incorporating indigenous um, 
curriculum studies in our curriculum today. So, I mean, you, you might've just kind of caught the tail end of it and maybe, you know, missed it altogether. Maybe you were in the playroom missing that class. Who knows? <laughs> you never know. But, but I will say, I mean, they are making a move towards it, but I do think that, that awareness needs to be there. And you know what? I, I, the, the point is we talk a lot about in, in education is experiential learning. And I think by going there, Lucas, I mean, you're, you now can attest to it. I know Paulo and I can, and I know we had Anthony, you know, on here recently. And if we were to talk to the hundreds of kids that we've brought there, I think they would all agree that going there, seeing things firsthand, living there for a week at a time really is educational. And I think there should be more um, emphasis on trying to get young kids from the inner city schools like yourself, where you were, to try to promote trips like this and try to promote, you know, making connections in these indigenous communities, especially the remote ones, because I think it's it's unfair that they have to be so far and it's so expensive for them to come to us that they feel trapped at times. So. Yeah, so then uh, that's that's also, it's funny that like you're saying that now, because I was just gonna say, um, living it firsthand and being there, but it's like also being there for a whole entire week and the stuff that we have to go through, it's like, we have to go through what they have to go through in terms, for example, like we'd have, we'd have to carry jugs of water from one end of the community to the other just because so like we can have clean water to drink or make our, our rice with or our pasta with or, or like whatever. It's, it takes a bigger toll on us for the one week as well because we're, we're also stepping into their shoes and seeing what it's like to be them and to live like them. And that's also why it, it makes me even more grateful because I see how they live, how they do it, and all the things they do. So going for the one week for all of us, not just me, you, Paul, and all the other students, that's probably one of the main reasons why this trip is so important and why it changes us because we see the way that they live and how they do things there. So for me, just even that one week made an impact on my whole 18 years of living and opening up my eyes. Just that one week changed my life. And going there three times, so almost a month. So I went there three times. Those three times I'll always keep with me and it'll always resonate with me and how I can compare here and there and why people should really pay attention to what's going on there because this is something that's so important for all of us to learn. So I, it's just very, very tough to talk about because it, it, it's so... It's, there's a lot of bads, but there's a lot of positives as well. And you know what? And I have so many memories with you guys and stories that I could share that can also uplift the situations that, that, that happened there and all, all the negatives. Mm -hmm. So it's a very great experience as well. So, so we want to, I want to help you share one then put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. You know, <laughs> last week we had uh, one of your good friends, Father Arinze, was, uh, well, you know where we're going with this, Lucas. Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay, so let's make it PG now, okay? Okay, let's, let's uh, So Father Renzi was with us, don't worry, we didn't talk about your story, but uh, but so so people can make a connection because because you was with us last week, and that's too bad that you weren't around because that would have been even nicer to tell the story right then. Yeah, if he was with us, so. Why don't you tell us a story, Lucas, and, and you know, just keep it clean. <laughs> okay. I'll keep it as clean as I can, I guess you could say. Uh, so we were having a little dinner for uh, Father Renzi. We were all cooking. Uh, Dan and Paulo were cooking. Uh, I think it was rice or pasta, right? It was something like that, I believe. Something like that. 
You and, see the uh, rice or pasta every day, so it's yeah. one, one, one or the other. Or, or, or if it was spam, I forgot what it was. Spam and mustard and ketchup. I don't know what it was. It was something. Um, so now I remember, I was like, you know what? I'm going to help you guys out a little bit because I see that they were struggling and there, there was so much food to cook and not enough heads while the guys were on their phones all on the couch and playing beef and all that stuff. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to help them out. And then just as I'm going to help them, Father Rienzi just walks in and then Paulo says, Lucas, Father is here. Watch what you say. I said, okay, Paulo, I'll, I'll watch what I say. And then I'm going towards the stove and, I'm, and, I, and I touched the very, very hot stove slash pan. And I kind of dropped the pan on the floor and I said something <laughs> that I shouldn't have said in front of Father Rienzi. And he was there and he looked at me and he was laughing, so I don't know if he took it to heart or if he was <laughs> me. And then after, but that's not the only part. And then I put the pan back on the stove, and I touched myself on the same part as I touched myself the first time on the stove. So then I, I swore again, and now Father gave me the most weirdest look in the world. And I'm like, Father, I'm so sorry. And we're there at the table, and we're praying. I'm like, I, I don't think I should be here because I swore in front of Father. And it's like, I feel bad because I swore in front of him. And like, he seemed so happy, but I think he was just, just like trying to let it go and not be so hurt by it because like it was a pretty bad word. And I, I don't want to <laughs> say it on here. It was it was not just one, it was multiple in a row. And it came out so angrily. So I kept up saying sorry to Father because I just felt so bad. So those are that was probably one of the stories I could honestly share with anybody. And it's just a story that I can always laugh about with Dan or Paulo or any of the students. It's just a funny story because it's like who really swears in front of in front of a front of father, you know, like a priest, like who swears in front of someone like that? Multiple and, times. Look at this. Times. <laughs> <laughs> so and you know what it's funny, you know what? Just be, just before we actually had father come over, we had this little bet between all of us. No one swears until father gets here. And I'm like, okay. And all their money was on me to lose first. I said, okay, then I'll make a bet with you guys and let's do it. You know what? We bet whoever cooks and cleans up the next day. I said, okay, fine. I'll make that deal with you. And then before you know it, I broke the first. I, I, I broke first because I burnt myself on a very hot stove and, and somehow father appeared right in front of me. So that's, that's what happened. You know what? It's something that I'll always carry with me. But uh, yeah, father, if you're listening, uh, you know what? I had no bad intentions, Father. I'm sorry. Next time, I'll watch what I say. <laughs> yeah, we're human. We're human. Uh, that's a funny story. And Lucas, and that just shows a, a, also how well how well we know each other, right? Because they knew right away that you were going to be the one losing, which is beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And at the time, Dan and I wanted to look like we were mad, but we were not. We just wanted to laugh. Like Father Arinza told us later, you know, he wanted to laugh too, but he, of course he had to play the part. You know, he knows you guys are only, you know, you're, you're youth and youth do what they do, right? So, yeah, we've always, you know, we allowed them to get a little bit crazy. But obviously, that's what I said earlier. We always kind of stretch the boundaries in order to gain respect. I mean, we did everything we can. I think we've gone there so many times. So I'm sure we're doing something right that, you know, we keep these boys safe. As far as the community goes, it's, we've, we've never felt, you know, we always felt safe. Um, we've, we've got nothing but respect when we go there from the community members, but you guys yourselves sometimes get a little bit wild and, you know, as long as we try to keep them safe, then, you know, yeah, sometimes the language may be a little bit foul or, you know, sometimes these guys may be foul play a little bit, but Hey, you know what, you, you know, we're not there to, 
you know, take their experience away. Boys will be boys, like I said, and they got to have fun over the course of a week. I mean, hey, listen, Damien's got a good story that happened with Anthony too that we're never going to share on a podcast. Yeah, so we're never going to share. We but, found out that we found out days later. But hey, you know what? Boys will be boys, right? Listen, but the, the beauty of it. Sorry, Paul. I say no, one more. Honestly, I couldn't tell you guys. Like, I don't know what was worse: having espresso and ramen and spam every day for the for the full week, <laughs> or sleeping on the cots. You know what? Honestly. I, I honestly felt like I was in, I don't know, like it was just espresso in the morning, ramen for lunch, and then maybe some rice or some spam. And then on the last day when we had no food, we had Chris Garcia, me, Mark Mello, all just frying spam, making mustard and ketchup sauce and mixing our spam on the griller. And you know what? It just shows that like, it's, it's just the beauty of what we just all the stuff we do up there, the way that we cook, the way that we have fun, the way that also we also stick to our main objective is helping these kids. But also we have our fun on the side. As you guys said, boys will be boys. And that's all we're ever going to be up there. And that's all that's ever going to happen. So if we go again, it's going to have to be around four for all of us to have some fun, you know, so it's going to happen again sooner or later. So we definitely have to do a reunion trip. Paul and I speak about it all the time. I would love to go back there with you boys again. And really, but you know what you made just, you just said something that was amazing. You guys, you know, an entire week, we're probably running on 10 hours of sleep every day from 8.30 to 3 o'clock. You guys worked with those students, putting together the soccer camp, and you guys worked hard. And honestly, I remember those days just as standing there as a coach and as a teacher being dead tired. And I was one of the ones who actually slept. And I remember being dead tired. And I would look at you guys and like, you guys are still going. And I could see sometimes those faces. It's like, these guys are really suffering right now. They're really, they're, they're digging deep to try to get this day through, you know, get Don't through this day. day. All that ambition. That's yeah, it. Well, you guys did it and you never put those friendships aside because you were tired. You always showed face and you showed that they were genuine and you always kind of, you guys always prevailed. So hats off to you guys for sure. And I told you guys before, you guys say hats off to Paul and I, we're nothing without you guys. Okay. And I'm not just saying this now that you're here for listeners. We always speak so highly of, all the students that have come up there with us, not just you, not just Anthony, because he was on last episode, everybody, anybody who's ever been up there with us has had to work hard as teachers, as, as uh, coordinators like Paul and I, you know, we have to feed you guys. We have to figure things out. It's hard work for everybody. You know what though? We find time to have fun. We have to find time to put together the program that we put in place. And most importantly, you guys find time to make, make those connections. And that's, what's huge. Okay. It's tough. I come home and it's like, I feel like we went to war and back, you know, not that I know what war feels like, feels like, but it sometimes feels like you're there for two months because it's just so hard with you guys, especially when we were living in those conditions in the, in the, in the rec center, all sleeping together on, on separate cots. You guys would prank each other to the wee hours of the night, you know, and here we are waking up early the next day, trying to get breakfast together. The place is always a mess because nobody knows how to clean up after themselves. You know, me, Paul, I'm OCD. I wax the floors. Especially you, then. Then you, you are the yeah. clean freak in the group. <laughs> the group. I, I wax the floors and guys go stumbling. Wax right? the floors. That's another story. <laughs> yeah, that's another we'll one. That one next time, that's but. a funny one, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hurt myself, too, actually. It's funny. Oh, well, just other just so like, quickly, so we cannot let this one hang because, you know, people are going to wonder what, what happened here. What happened was that Dan thought he found some miraculous uh, cleaning product, but he was actually waxing the floor. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> waxing the, 
Sorry? I'm like, no, it said fantastic. I'm like, good. I found some all-purpose cleaner. So I'm yeah, spraying was... the floor. I have a mop and I'm mopping the floor. Because remember, it was always dusty because, you know, kids would walk in with their shoes and there being gravel roads, you'd always see those footprints. So I did my best to keep the place clean. That's just what I do. Well, it and... was a fantastic wipeout for you going down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. So next thing I know, I'm like, this floor doesn't look like it. It looks a little bit shinier than usual, right? And I think Camilo, he went flying down the stairs. Anthony <laughs> went flying down the stairs. Starting to realize, I'm like, guys, I think I waxed the floors. <laughs> I went flying down the stairs. I had to actually try to find a cleaning product to strip this wax off. I think I mopped that place 68 times in, in a week. So just to try to get that wax. Well, you know what? It does you good because you make us all look bad because you're always cleaning. Honestly, man, it, we're, we're to the point that we're scared of, of, of leaving any, any crumbs that's, behind because Dan that's, always... That's my job, then. That's my <laughs> mess. And that was the worst thing for him. Dude. I remember this. This last thing I remember is we filled spam and onion in Brian Costa's pillow. And I remember when he put his pillow upside down, it went all over the floor over his bed, and it smelled like spam and onion. It was terrible. And I'm like, don't don't let Romano see that because he will he like he will be upset with you if he sees all that spam and onion all over the floor. And it was terrible, man. Guys, That's if my beautiful. Wife, if my wife was on this podcast, she'd be shaking her head. She, I know. And, and you know what? Then you know what I, I think we should do, buddy. We should just end here before we get into trouble, don't you think? <laughs> I agree. I'm not going to say anymore. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. Sometimes I make people's life miserable when I'm trying to be a neat freak. I've tried to get better at it. I will say this, though. I want to end on that. But I also want to add, I, next time we go there, and if we ever do a reunion trip with these guys, which we will plan because we spoke about it for a while, I want to do everything in our power to stay in that rec center the same way we did. So, so Andrew Kostachin, if you're listening... Yeah. Get that rec center for us, please. I will stay there again. Those cots, and we all, as uncomfortable as it was, but that's all the fun. Of the best times, the exactly. best. You know, so. Lucas. Before we go, you have um, um, an Instagram page where you promote some products. You're a businessman, and you have a okay. few thousand followers. I don't know exactly how many. I know it's a few thousand. So let's let's plug that, and then we'll put that in the description as well in the end. Yeah, so uh, my main Instagram has uh, 2,500 followers, and that's uh, Lucas underscore Brass underscore. That's just my main profile where I also spread news about Project 5 and just my main page about just my social life. And then my business page for selling shoes is uh, Brass the Plug. And um, that's also where uh, I spread awareness as well for other resellers here in Toronto, Calgary. It's basically a, it's kind of more like a family for shoes. So I spread that worldwide. I'm in a bunch of chats and I just tell people to spread the news and spread the word about the merchandise that you guys have going on. So those are both my social accounts and you guys can all follow me there and ask me any questions you guys want to ask me and I can happily answer them for you. So, uh, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. So this, this, this is it for, for our uh, second episode of Making Connections. Dan, I love the way you just wrap things up. So why don't you do it? You put on the spot right away. You totally do, but that's okay. Lucas, again, thank you for being with us. Uh, it's, it's amazing to hear your point of view and the way you highlighted some of your most memorable moments in Ottawa Piscat as a student and how extracurricular activities have really helped build that confidence and, and create a much larger experience in high school. So thank you for that. And honestly, Paulo and I thank you for always being with us and continuing to support us. So amazing to have you here today. Amazing to have the listeners uh, hear you speak, like I said, from your point of view. Um, but that's it, guys. That's Thank you for tuning in. That's the second episode of Making Connections. We hope to have many more to come. We'll have, we have another interesting one coming up soon. So uh, thank you guys again, and we hope to see everybody again soon. Thank you, guys.